You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline, and I also lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. All right, today we're going to talk about stewarding ministry regret. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, it's a heavy one. So before we, I don't know, I like that that we have this unit here next to us yeah. uh, for podcasting. We can build in all we the sound build effects. In all we those sound effects. And because I refuse to use them, you're just going to do them it's verbally. It's so irritating. To <laughs> I me. know, I know. It makes your soul I, die. I like, we, I, I could it, upload whatever sound effect possible. Yeah. They even have a bleep one now. Bleep. Yep. I could use that. Yeah. You know, the problem is this isn't the Bozo show. <laughs> And I feel like that's really what you're... The Bozo Show. <laughs> tell me. Tell me about three episodes from the Bozo Show. Go. I don't know. There was the bucket thing, right? What are you... T- is that a real show? I thought you just made up a whole Bozo thing. Bozo the Clown? You don't know who Bozo the Clown is? I'm. I, this is the you first are... time in my life I've been embarrassed to be friends with you. Wow. You don't know the Bozo well, Show? Welcome. Good Our I friend- live there. <laughs> this is where you live? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. Anyway, so Let's we are going to talk about stewarding ministry regrets. So yeah. before we jump into the some of the heavier aspects of mm-hmm. this, let's just start with like, everybody has some amount of regret in life. Yeah. Okay. They range from like stupid little things that ha- that happen on like a regular basis sure. to like some of the bigger things we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So let's talk. start on the lighter end. What is something in life that you have done, a decision you've made or not made that has led you to regret? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have one that's kind of light, and then I'm going to get to one that's more funny. The kind of light one is I felt very compelled to buy stock in some companies that I really believed were going to weather the COVID storm. And I regularly just look at them and and see the chart exploding through the little Mm, graph. Like Zoom? Zoom was one of them because mm-hmm. I've used like Zoom was not new for me. Do you yeah. know the number of people I had to teach how to use Zoom? I just was like, oh, yeah. you you still exist. I'm an everyday Zoomer. I felt like this won't be a problem. Well, it went from that, being like a like a corporate jobs people used yeah. it, salespeople to like everyone uses yes. Zoom. Yeah, every small group in America. I mean, the number of churches. I I mean, I've I've I think the most number of accounts I bought at once was twenty. That mm-hmm. is a very expensive purchase. Yeah. Uh, even even with the 501c3 discount. So yeah. uh, there's that. Or, um, of course, let's just say it, Disney. They re... And I just knew. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like billions of dollars in theme parks, and they were going to be what people looked to to help get through this. And, right. I mean, I did. Yeah. And, sadly... I did nothing. Still didn't. I just, you, you don't own any Disney stock, do you? Not one share, no. Once upon a time, you used to, if you had, if you bought one share, they sent you an actual, like, share of stock, and it was, like, it had Mickey on it. It was really cool, and you could frame it. They don't do that anymore. You hmm. get, like, a digital one you can print off yourself. 
<laughs> That's lame. Uh, it's like on that show Shit's Creek when she graduated from the community college. <laughs> she got a certificate. Yeah, they like misspelled her name or something <laughs> on it. Yeah. So anyway, that uh, my regular regret. Mm-hmm. I cannot learn. Yeah. One of the things you're supposed to learn from regret is you're supposed to do something different the next time. Yeah. Here's the problem. We're gonna actually talk about that, but go yeah. ahead. PSA for yeah. anyone who's a Costco shopper. Mm-hmm. If you are there and there is something you're like, oh. I might be able to use that. Buy it that minute because you can always bring it back. Even if you're not sure when you'll use it or that uh, caveat, don't do it with food. Mm -hmm. Like they have to throw food away. Some people take back everything to Costco. I used to. They told me they have to throw it away even if it's unopened. I don't like that. That's wasteful. With everything else, even if you're like, I'm not sure, Mm -hmm. especially if you don't like use it or whatever, just bring it on back. They're fine with it. I'm here to tell you whatever you like, You put it out in the universe by thinking about it, Mm -hmm. and someone hears it and picks it and comes and buys every one of those by the time you leave the warehouse, Mm -hmm. and you'll never see that thing. They'll never have it again. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now, Ridgeline could really use another cooler, Mm -hmm. and I want it to be the same cooler I already have. And as a matter of fact, this is the second year this has happened. Mm -hmm. So last year- This was supposed to be funny. Mm. And it feels I'm very intense. <laughs> I'm really irritated about this cooler. Do you know how many times I feel I've like, gone? can we get our chairs further apart? Cause I'm scared. <laughs> you know how many times I've gone looking for a cooler, but so two years ago, yeah. uh, going into summer, I thought, you know what? We do some picnics. It'd be nice to have a cooler. And then I always am asking for more coolers. So this year I was like, you know what? We need one more. Here's the truth. You need coolers for water. You need coolers for food that like you're going to cook with and can yeah. get, get, get gross and cleaned out. And then you need a cooler to store the food like salads and things like that. You need three coolers. Okay. But <laughs> Tyler has only bought oh. one cooler one year. Then thank God they had the same kind of cooler because they got it sort of match, you know, mm-hmm. not the colors, but at least the style so they can stack. Yeah. Um, and so then this year at the beginning of the season, I'm like, I'm going to buy one more. Mm-hmm. One. I knew I needed two. And so I was like, ah, if I need it, I'll need another one. Mm-hmm. So every picnic, every everything we do, I'm always scrounging a cooler down, trying to shake people down for mm-hmm. a cooler. And the average family does not have a giant size cooler. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot. Wow. I just. <laughs> uh, my answer to this question is this question. I regret. <laughs> I regret asking this. I did not know there was going to be so much fervor Ooh. on the other end. Anyway, so, so that's big it. idea. Just buy it. Just buy it. Right then. You can always return it. Always return yeah. it. Easy peasy. All right. Here's my real answer. Yeah. I think about this. I think about this. I'm, I'm 40 years old. I think mm-hmm. this happened when I was nine. Okay. I still think about it. All right. All right. I was at church family camp. Yeah. Uh, that my family's church went to every year mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> good yeah. thing because it was church family camp yeah there you go uh-huh. i like that what if i was an orphan you're not though i know but i'm just saying i just feel like that comment was rather insensitive to the fact that what if i was oh okay <laughs> i don't know i'm honestly i'm trying to like get my head back from the explosive Cooler experience situation? with your anger okay. right. that i just all right so People family camp us off let's go yeah nine years old family yeah. camp I was uh, I was at the the hut where you rented what they called banana bikes, which okay. were these yellow bikes that were low to the ground that you sat on. They had like three wheels. You know, it's like one of those stupid things that sometimes you still see it's adults like a tricycle? on. Tricycle? Yeah, except for you're like laid back and your feet are. There's just some mowing or something oh. stupid going on outside. Or <laughs> if the world was it's exploding the rapture, or what? And we're missing it, of course. <sighs> Well, so your feet are out in front fear, of you. I know. We don't even believe in the rapture. I explain this to you every time. And you always think we're going to miss it. 
So your feet are out in front. This is, I'm trying to like really talk about this traumatic thing. I just sat through your whole insanity. Mm -hmm. So your feet are out in front. So I was there and uh, there was a couple of girls there. You know, there's always like family camp is just ripe with young romance. Mm -hmm. At least it was for me. I know that wasn't always your experience. That was for sure mine. (laughs) That was unnecessary, (laughs) but let's keep going. And So there's a couple of girls there, you know, I've been chatting it up with Mm -hmm. having a good time at family camp. And, uh, and then this guy came up and he was, it was this big, it was not just like family camp going on at this campground. Our church just had like part of it. Yeah. And so this guy came up and really got in my face and, uh, and he is, so it basically, this leads to like an altercation that I backed down from. And by backed down, I mean, I got pushed down onto the ground because I did not retaliate. I'm not pro-violence or anything like that, but genuinely to this day, I've relived over and over again the way that he came at me and how I should have physically responded, Hmm. largely based on the Karate Kid movies that I was obsessed with. Mm -hmm. I have the move right now in my head that I could have won with. Mm. I would have been a hero in the eyes of this small, in my, in my recollection, there was at least like 40 people standing around. I'm pretty sure it was three of us. Mm-hmm. But I still think about that. Like I just got shoved down on the ground and he like laughed and walked away. And I regret that I did not respond with a higher level of aggression. Wow. I know. It's, it's not, mm. it's not. <laughs> what are you thinking right now? <laughs> so many things. First of all, I, I will just point out that you can't know everything about someone because I've never heard this story in 26 <laughs> years. I'm try- It's just been so long since I've learned a new piece of information about you that I'm trying to process it was what it d- means. It, yeah, it was, it was more just, it was the shame of the moment. Okay. And I wish yeah. I would have like yeah, stood up totally. for myself that a little sense. bit more than what I did. All right. All right, should we move on? It feels like we should. <laughs> okay. We are 10 minutes in to drivel. Just drivel. All right, so here's, uh, here's how I want to set this up. I think that it's inevitable, um, especially if you started into vocational ministry early in life. Like I started, my first full-time position was when I was 25 years old. Mm-hmm. You were what, 26, 27 when we hired you at Redemption? Something. Something like that. Um, so it's inevitable, especially the earlier that you started into ministry, that you are going to look back on certain um, decisions that you made, um, the way that you handled certain situations, mm. if you teach certain things that you taught or the mm-hmm. way that you said things, and you're going to feel an immense amount of regret. Yeah. And I think, um, I think what spawned uh, my desire to have a conversation about this is I'm listening to a pod, we're both listening to a podcast right now that a lot of people are listening to. <laughs> Us and the rest of the world. Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that Christianity Today has done, Mike Cosper specifically there, um, called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mars Hill in general, Mark Driscoll in particular, and Acts 29 all were a really important part of our um, especially our church planting journey totally. and that we planted an Acts 29 church. Sure. And, uh, and so it's been a, it's been, I, I, it's still hard for me to like figure out the language around it. I would say if I, it's been a very sobering experience yeah. to listen to this podcast. For one thing, I feel like it was long ago, long enough ago now and we've been out of that world long enough that I don't really think about it that much. But listening to this podcast again has 
has made it feel like real fresh. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's been very interesting. Like what's hard, I think, and I hear a lot of people even on the podcast espousing this same thing. Like there was a point in my life when Mark was super influential. Yeah. And, um, and it's a, it's a, this weird thing to have been, to have God use someone in your life in a really deep and significant way. Yeah. And then to begin to see these really significant flaws as well. Sure. Which is what, you know, the, I mean, the, this podcast is not like, they're not making anything up. I mean, it's literally, they're just drawing attention to things that were in by and large sermons and books. Yeah. And so I don't say that in any sort of like unnecessarily disparaging way, sure. but, but just like there are some significant flaws in him. And there was in the church, obviously, because it crumbled. Sure. After whatever it was, yeah. 11, 12 years. And to your point, it's just very complicated and very conflicting because on the other end, without those influences, uh, a church in Mount Prospect, Illinois would not exist today. Totally. Yeah. There's 100%. no chance. Yeah. It, it, you know, I, I remember because I was a little, you know, Johnny come lately to the party and understanding who any of these people were mm-hmm. or what Acts 29 was or whatever. I had moved to the area. And so we had spent a few years uh, still as friends, but in regular relationship, it was pretty infrequent. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I moved to the area and we were I, on a break. We were, we, we were, were on that's a, what I was at. We were on a break. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. And, uh, so I moved to the area, mm-hmm. but I just remember some of those things that you said about finding a place that you felt like you belonged mm-hmm. and just some different things that were very instrumental. And yeah. I think it is confusing because all of those things that have happened does not change the good, the good. Yeah. And it doesn't absolve it. Yeah, the bad. That's a good way to say it. You know, it. and I think that's really it. Yeah, so I I can resonate with that feeling because mm-hmm. I have, I mean, some of these clips have, that have been played, like I, I was there for some of it. I know I was. Right. I remember some of these things and you're just like, ooh, mm-hmm. you know, you can't, you can't say you that. You can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I had two thoughts when you were just talking. One is one of the best things about you. Mm. Is that you, you, you always make that sound what I'm about to say. You're like, oh my God, I'm just so glad this is not going to be hurtful. Well, we'll see. <laughs> it's usually like, hmm, I'm waiting. Wanna, no, genuinely, especially from like, from having you in my life, not just, not as, this isn't specific to friendship, but to like ministry partnership. Sure. Is how, how little attention you pay to um, like church like what's happening in the church culture Mm -hmm. that you're not like tracking with like, who's cool right now. And who's blow. Like you're super invested in our church. Mm -hmm. You're super invested in the churches that you serve, Mm -hmm. but you're not following fancy people on Instagram. Mm -mm. Do you follow any pastors on Instagram besides me? (laughs) Well, a couple that I, I serve alongside and now I'm I'm afraid they're all going to look. Yeah. (laughs) I got to, I got to follow some guys today before this gets out. But just, just because of that, like you were not like a Mm -mm. Mark Driscoll, Stephen Fur, like pick your guy. You're not like a fanboy. No. To any of those people. You find out when I tell you about them. Sure. Yes. And even still, every once in a while, uh, so the other person that was alongside us for planting uh, Redemption, Ashley, the pastor mm-hmm. there now, um, he recently reached out about just some different names that he threw out. And he's like, do you remember about this guy or that? I'm like, I don't, I don't believe I've ever heard that name before <laughs> yeah. in my whole life. Yeah. There's no chance. Now, the downside, I appreciate the compliment. Yeah. 
if I read more frequently, I'd probably <laughs> know more things. That's true. But yeah, I got well. a lot of Disney knowledge, so I'm good. That's right. All right. Because I'm just saying, when we get picked to go on Disney Jeopardy, you're going to crush. Oh, man. You're going to make so much money. Yeah. So <clears throat> my point in all of this is to say um, all of this has, has led me, and it kind of ties into, I've, I've had a couple of conversations with my spiritual director over the last year and a half talking mm. about like when I reflect on like, so I started teaching the Bible every week when I was 27 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, you know, I remember talking to a church, <laughs> a church planner when I was 27, we had just started mm-hmm. and uh, he was a part of our, our network. Yeah. And I don't remember what I reached out to him about, mm-hmm. but uh, I just remember like, I was just kind of like talking about here's where we are and I need some coaching and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, man, you know what I, you know what I think every time someone reaches out to me and they're planting a church at 27, I was like, what's that? He goes, that you shouldn't be. And I was like, huh, well, you're horribly unhelpful (laughs) because I'm already in the thick of this whole thing. Yeah. And so that, that was not helpful at all. And so I am thankful that I started into it young. Yeah. But one of the things that comes with that is there are many things I look back on, like just, just maybe from a teaching standpoint that I'm, you know, 13 years older now and I see life, I see ministry, I see the Bible differently totally. than I did 13 years ago. Sure. The way one should, it's called yeah. maturing. <laughs> Sanctification. That's right. And um, so I've had a couple of conversations with my spiritual director about like, what do, I, what do I do with the fact that, like, I would love back at least the first five years of my preaching? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think about, you know, especially after a couple of years of therapy and really have, coming to a deeper understanding of what emotional health really is. Mm-hmm. Like, I look back on any time anything to do with emotions came up in my preaching and teaching, by and large, my understanding of that had to do with just mental resilience. Mm -hmm. Like my understanding of emotionally healthy people was you can go through hard things and not be debilitated by it and cry all the time. Mm -hmm. And come to find out that's like the antithesis of emotional health in, Mm. in many ways. And so I think back on things like that and I have regret about some of the things that I taught. Sure. I look back on some of the people that I helped platform by, you know, not only being very influenced by them personally, but then talking about them on social media or encouraging other people to listen to them and to read their books that now I look back with, you know, hindsight and a lot of those people aren't even in ministry any longer. Sure. And there were these huge like moral character flaws that came out that said these people really weren't qualified to be in ministry in the first place. Yeah. But I played some role, albeit even if it was small, I played a role in helping like build that up. And I have regret about that. Yep. So when you, when you look back on, when you think like specific to ministry now, yeah. What are some things that you look back on and you're like, mm. that you have some regret about? Because, I mean, we did all this together. Sure. And we were, were the same age for the most. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little older than you. Yeah. Way less hair. Mm, so much less. You have such good hair. <laughs> such good. Go, you're still single though, right? Oh, gosh. Okay, go ahead. What's your regret? Uh, I'm good. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. Uh, I think... I had an over-realized zeal for the idea of church discipline. Yeah. And I would say, let me, let me, like, 
the good in that was you are a very high justice person. Absolutely. Which God is a God of justice. Like I'm, yeah. I'm reading through the Psalms right now and that's one of the most consistent themes emphasized about God's character. So yeah. you, you are a very like, we need to do what is right and totally. we don't do what is wrong. You're like, For sure. that's a, that's a, so I think the Christian virtue in you that drove that was you just have a very high view of yeah, justice. It needed to be fair and that yeah. kind of thing. And so if we had a membership covenant and it set out different things like that and, and often being in the executive pastor role, I was the one to have those conversations with people and, and follow through on that. It's not something, you know, I, um, had a really uh, good career at Starbucks. And so having those kind of direct, uh, not hurtful, but, mm-hmm. Uh, clear conversations with people um, are something I've never struggled with in mm-hmm. any way. And so um, there are just a number of those that I look back at now and I just feel like I wish I would have handled them so much differently. I yeah. wish maybe I would have not had most of them. Uh, I think for me, uh, obviously you've got this stuff coming up on the podcast and all of that. For mm-hmm. me, it was just the experience of being um, under an abusive leader mm-hmm. who spent the better part of 14 months uh, making my life a living hell. Mm-hmm. I think that that was his personal mission. Mm-hmm. Um, it was wicked. Mm-hmm. It was ungodly. It was just horrible. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this. I believe that man to this day mm-hmm. believes he's going to hear well done mm-hmm. for that behavior. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you we're going to different places or, or there's got to be different places to go. If, if the God he worships says well done for what he did to me. Yeah. And, um, and so I think uh, I, I, I can say, and, and it's for others to say of me, mm-hmm. I don't believe I treated people like that, mm-hmm. but I think, uh, one of the things that was the most pivotal for me in that whole experience was just the reality that I remember we were on a walk. The building of the church we were on was mm-hmm. very large, mm-hmm. and we were convinced. I mean, I wouldn't have put him beyond the guy to bug the place. Mm-hmm. And so we'd go on like walks around the property mm-hmm. where we believe, you know, there's like lawnmowers and stuff so we could yeah. talk freely. <laughs> and uh, that's or at how, least I did. That's how paranoid. Oh, for sure. And I think it was justified. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I would like turn my phone on airplane mode yeah. so that it didn't accidentally Siri call him or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And um, I remember, Gosh. I remember having this realization that if I hadn't experienced that mm-hmm. at at the age that I did, mm-hmm. I really believe at some point in my life I could have become him. Mm-hmm. And so, in some ways, I'm really thankful for mm-hmm. that experience. Now it was horribly painful, and one of the more uh, difficult things I've gone through in my life. And if you know me at all, you understand that that's a pretty heavy mm-hmm. award to award to someone. I'd put it in your top three. Sure. For sure. <clears throat> but I just look at it and say that I, I just wish I had a bit more compassion. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a bit more understanding. I wish I be- had a better, I think the other thing that I've grown in my age is to have a better sense of understanding about my own sin. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna get in line to have a conversation with you about yours just as soon as mine's taken care of. Right. The variable is I know that this side of eternity that's not gonna happen. Yeah. So the likelihood uh, that's what we're gonna do is gonna be a lot slimmer. And that yeah. doesn't mean that we're not gonna have a conversation about what's going on. Uh, but I, I guarantee when I think about and relive the conversation I had with some people, uh, especially in those first few years, uh, there's a couple of things I know to be true. Number one, not a single one of those people did that conversation do anything meaningful for, at least yet. I believe that God could redeem that at some point before he takes them home. But yeah. currently... Um, those conversations, if you ask those people, probably are one of the reasons that most of those people are not living real near Jesus today. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just feel like I wish, I wish I could go back and do those differently. And I think that my sensitivity for the fact that like, we're all on a journey mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that uh, he who began a good work of you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, there's just an important recognition that you got to allow it to complete. Mm -hmm. And, and it, that he will see it through. That's right. Not and you. that your pastor blowing you up about it yeah. doesn't really uh, move the ball down the field at all. Yeah. I mean, I think <clears throat> there's a there's an entire, I don't know what to call it. I think there's an entire way of faith that is singularly concerned with being right. Yeah. Like correcting wrongs. It's yeah. Right. There is right. And there is wrong. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm not saying that that's not true. I'm saying that the only one who really knows right. everything that is right and wrong is God. Yep. And that for us, we, more than we want to admit, live in, live in a lot of gray. Yeah. And I think anything that is in the gray, it's not, it's not about, it's, I don't know, that it's not just about being right. Yeah. That there's just a lot more than that. And, um, and so, yeah, I mean, that's, it, I mean, obviously it's a season of life that we look back on that we walked through together. And I think the, the further away that it is and the mm -hmm. more healing that takes place, the more thankful I am for what it accomplished sure. and the more that I would say, and I would never mm -hmm. want to relive one second of it again yeah. either. So <clears throat> coming back to our conversation today. Um, so what we regret um, could be completely different uh, than what people listening might regret. Absolutely. But, but by and large, I, I do think based on the fact that at least a percentage of people listening to this or also listening to the, the same podcast, many of us are struggling with some very similar kinds of regrets Sure, of like, you know, whether it is theological systems that we've held to totally, or um, philosophies of ministry or people we've helped platformed or whatever. Yep. The question that we want to spend just a couple of minutes uh, talking about is, so what do we do with the regret that we have more specifically? How do we steward uh, regret? And mm -hmm. so let's jump in. We got three things that we want to talk about. The first is this. I would say it's really important to accept the fact that you will make mistakes and you will change. Mm. I think this is true if you are 20 or if you are 30 or if you're 40 or if you're 50, uh, unless you die shortly <laughs> from right now, 
you're going to have things that you look back on and you are going to get them wrong or you are going to have things in your life. Like if you're, if you, if you do not change from age 27 to 40, something is terribly wrong. Mm -hmm. Like that should happen. And so I think, I think the way, like I would, I was telling someone today, I think I've never been in a place in my life before where I love Jesus more, um, where I care about the Bible and, and love the Bible more and where I've had more things that I hold in the open hand. Yeah, that's good. And I think the younger that I was, mm -hmm. the more things I was comfortable being like, no, that's in the closed hand, yeah. and I would die on this hill. I got to tell you, there is not many hills mm -hmm. I'm willing to die on nah. at this point in my life. No. And maybe other people feel like, oh, I got like 50 hills I'd die on. That's fine. I got like three or four. Yeah. And even those... We'll see. <laughs> right. There's just, I just feel like there's just, I just, I think, and, and I, I don't, I can't say that this always comes with age necessarily. I just feel like there's just a lot more in life that, and I think this is especially true when you begin to expose yourself to more and more, um, like get outside of your tribe, yeah. whatever your theological denominational tribe is as you begin to explore church history more and more, you begin to see man, Christians have really believed all over the map on so many issues. Mm -hmm. And they have loved Jesus yep. and taken the Bible seriously. Yeah. And, and baptized lots of people. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I just think, I think like, man, have your convictions, but just don't die on very many hills. Sure. And I think even your point of you'll make mistakes and that you will change. And I think it's important and you have the responsibility to change. Mm -hmm. Like I even think of my example of those conversations I had where I went into them. And I, I even remember us joking about like my ability to come at most situations with fire and brimstone. Mm -hmm. I was like the Awana kid. I had verses, I mean, just locked and loaded like a sniper rifle. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, you, you had to come ready to belly up and, and go to war. If you were going to like come at me, yeah. I was, I was just ready. And, yeah. um, and, and there were, there were a time or two where that was helpful and mm -hmm. it helped us protect our young church, but, mm -hmm. uh, it did damage to people. Yeah. And I even think of, uh, within the last several months, I had a young woman, um, you know, in her early twenties, mm -hmm. uh, come and sit with me, mm -hmm. uh, here at Ridgeline. And she, uh, presented a multi-page letter that had been typed up. Mm -hmm. um, and she went into a whole host of things. Uh, it was the first time in my ministry career that based on a ministry philosophy difference, mm -hmm. uh, I had been accused of being responsible for the sin that she had committed in her life mm -hmm. because we did not... Uh, Care about discipleship. In the way that she preferred. <laughs> right. And, and I sat there, and I'm telling you, if this would have been redemption... Uh, I mean, she might have needed to see a therapist after the conversation, <laughs> truly, yeah. I, I, yeah. just because in that moment and, and what was clear um, was so the letter was sort of a, uh, a starting point, but there was a lot of vamping. Mm -hmm. And what was clear is, as I asked questions, I think I think and and and. And not so many words. She said that the letter was prepared alongside someone else. And I think she was provided some speaking points that she didn't fully understand. Mm -hmm. And so could not speak to yeah. the depth of them very well. And, and about partway through the conversation, I, I stopped her and I said, you know what? I said, 
what I what I understand is that you're not going to see things my way, and I'm not going to see things your way, and I genuinely don't believe there's a lot of value mm-hmm. in continuing this conversation. So I prayed, I walked her out, mm-hmm. and that was the end of it. Yeah, and I. I, I can look at that conversation. There are so many mm-hmm. that I have regret for because I needed to be right. Yeah. And what's interesting is in some of those I feel regret for, um, I could have been right, could have been wrong. This one I absolutely – I mean it was just – It was ludicrous. Yeah. yeah. It, it just did not hold water. Right. And – and instead of doing that, mm-hmm. because I had the responsibility to change, and I remember praying about it, going into it, by God's grace, I handled it differently. And I know some things were said after the conversation, but large in part, not not mm-hmm. real, and uh, things that I'm I'm fine to just kind of let roll off my back and that yep. sort of thing. And so I just I look at that and say we have to be willing to make those mistakes, mm-hmm. and we have to be willing to be different. Yep, that's so good. All right, so first is just we all need to accept the fact that it's inevitable that we're going to make mistakes and there are going to be things that we change on, which means we will have things that we look back on with regret. Mm -hmm. So accept that. That's number one. The second thing is we have to be willing to take ownership over the mistakes that we've made. Mm -hmm. So rather than justify like mm-hmm. it, it, it and this I think this is an emotional health thing I think that when when you are not very emotionally healthy and you feel shame mm-hmm. shame is the emotion that we feel in response to regret yeah I'm embarrassed and I feel shame because of this thing that I mishandled or this thing that I didn't teach properly or whatever and there are like two ways to deal with shame. Mm-hmm. The the first one, and this is the most common, and this goes back to like Genesis 3, uh, is to hide. And we hide behind justifications. Uh, or we explain away, well, here's why I did. Or, you know, we kind of get into this like right posture. Of, mm-hmm. well, here's all the reasons why I'm right about about what I did or what I believe or blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and that is... Um, unhelpful mm-hmm. and an ungodly and a non uh, a non growth way to deal with it. And the mm-hmm. second thing is to be willing to just live in the open and to say like I, f- I freaking blew it mm-hmm. on that. I was wrong, and I'm sorry. Yeah. And and so I think that that is I think there's a very complicated knot of reasons why I think leaders struggle to apologize. Um, but I would say, I don't think there's ever been a time where I've really taken ownership and apologized for something when it have not actually gained leadership credibility Mm -hmm. versus lose it. Yeah. And I think that sometimes there is this like super unfounded, immature fear. If I take ownership and I acknowledge something that I was wrong about, Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose credibility. Sure. And that's just, I don't, I mean, it's stupid. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how else to say that. Yep. So I think it's just really important that when we have these things that we look back on, that we take ownership for them. Mm-hmm. I would say, we were talking about this earlier, um, there's this thing, <laughs> because of the prevalence of social media right now, mm-hmm. I think that there is this pressure in our culture that um, all ownership needs to be taken publicly. Mm. And that like... It's kind of like we have this joke at our gym, like if you didn't get it on video, it doesn't necessarily like mm-hmm, didn't happen. It didn't happen. Oh. And uh, and I, I think that in our culture right now, it's like, well, if you have not owned the fact that you supported 
X, Y, and Z at some point in your life on social media, then your ownership does not count. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's stupid. <laughs> there, there might be a time when it is necessary and appropriate for you to say something in that sort of like public social media forum. Mm -hmm. But what I would say matters more than anything is that you take ownership for the, for these things in, in like actual relationship. Mm. So I think, when I look back on the last 13, 14 years, <clears throat> I think there's a number of things that I have, man, I've had a ton of conversation with the people who like I actually live life with, sure. with you, with people in our church, with people from redemption or people who used to go to redemption, even mm -hmm. in the last two months. I've talked to people I haven't talked to in a very long time trying yeah. to take ownership over things that I'm like, hey, I feel like I might've really blown it on this. Yeah, And I think that matters way more than this sort of like pat cheesy, I don't know, rebuke of which is what it usually ends up being. And it's just like weird thing on social media of like, I'm sorry to the 17 people who follow me for the mm -hmm. fact that like <laughs> I shared this person's sermon at some point. Sure. And again, I'm not saying that there's never a time for that. I just think like the people who, that we don't know yeah. that we are quote unquote friends with on social media matter so much less than the people we are actually in a relationship with. So make sure working it out with those people takes priority over the 17 people you don't know who follow you on Twitter. Yeah, absolutely. Anything you'd add there? Mm -mm. Make sure it. Okay, good. No. Nope. All right. So take ownership, and then and then lastly, last thing we'd say is seek to make it right where you can. Sure. Right. We're talking like this is like what we should be teaching our kids in kindergarten uh, yeah. as far as like how to apologize and make things right. It's yep. about restitution. If you have an ability to make some of these things right. And th what I would say to those who teach is if there are things that you have, like if you're in, you've been in one church for a long time mm -hmm. and there's things that you've taught in the past that you look back and I go, you know what? I really think I wasn't, I wasn't right. Right. I wasn't right either about what I taught, the way I taught it, the tone with which I taught, I taught it. <clears throat> then I do think that there is a place to not only own that, but to like seek to make that right. Yeah. And, um, and then sometimes I think there's an opportunity in relationship. Again, I don't think everything needs to be public and on social media, but the more public that you have been in some of these things, the more public you're making it right might need to be mm. in some of those situations. That's good. So, so yeah, so I think that's that's where we're going to land the plane. Um, accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes and that you will change, so you're going to have regret. Take ownership of mistakes that you've made um, where necessary, and then seek to make it right where you can. Mm. Any closing thoughts? Good. No. Nope. Okay. Don't, you don't have to. I just want to make sure. I'm good. I don't just like crash the plane into the ground without giving you an mm -hmm. opportunity. To really like land it smoothly mm -hmm. yeah, i yeah. got you no, anything, anything else that you want to talk about um like with coolers or coolers costco. or costco yeah. or anything that mm -hmm. feel like you work that all out today buy it today that's the point if you Dang. listened if you learned anything in this episode it was that if you see it and you from want it at whole costco, podcast buy it from, from planning center 59 i think this yeah. is the 59th episode <laughs> if you've learned anything if you see it at costco and you want it buy it because you can return it yeah and but if you don't do buy planning it, center it's gonna be gone and yeah. do planning center mm -hmm. all right as always, mm -hmm. if, uh, 
<laughs> if this is your first episode and you've enjoyed it, you can help us in three ways. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can leave us a review wherever it is that you're listening. And we would love to connect with you on social media. So you can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. What are you giggling about? I looked at the notes yeah. when I was spelling my last name. Did you need its help? I Well... <clears throat> I like it's like a confidence monitor I looked at for a cue <laughs> to spell my name. That's not good. It's time to go home. Well, that's true. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Hasta la vista. Oh my gosh, that's a new low. <laughs> <laughs>